my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Every Genesis is a reminder to try something new, to keep growing, keep hustling, keep beginning. At Genesis, they harness that mindset into their performance SUV, the GV70. Turn heads with a stunning design inside and out. Discover intuitive technology inside the GV70 with a 14.5-inch infotainment system. The Genesis GV70 is for those who are making their mark on the world and want to enjoy luxurious amenities while they do it. So go on and enjoy an exhilarating drive in the GV70. Your Genesis GV70 is waiting for you. Learn more at Genesis.com. Genesis, keep beginning. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Climbing in Heels. This show is all about celebrating the most extraordinary superwomen who will be sharing their incredible journeys to the top, all while staying glamorous. Today with me, we have Maha Dockhill, motion picture agent at the amazing creative artist agency, otherwise known as CAA. You may have heard of it. And she also sits with me and many other incredible women on the board of the amazing Baby to Baby. On today's episode, Maha talks about growing up in an immigrant family in Encino, California, and fostering her love of making a difference in the world in a less conventional way. She also opens up about managing her work, social, and family life, all while remaining very zen throughout the process, or at least seemingly. I'm really, really happy to talk to you because if I looked up climbing in heels and my intention behind climbing in heels, I would put you next to it. So I know you as like badass ma, right? Like she's just crushes at everything, whatever. But you'd probably be like, hey, it's been like blood, sweat and tears for however many years, 20 years or whatever it is to get to where I am. And I think a lot of people see 
women who are at the top of their games and they just see them there and they're like, oh my God, they're so lucky. It's like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> most of the times you laugh. And that's where sort of the climbing in heels, whether you wear heels or not, which I do know that you do wear heels. I wear heels. <laughs> I know you do. High heels. <laughs> I know you do. Um, and it's funny because someone I had on here, they were like, Rachel, you wear heels. I don't wear heels. I'm like, you wear your own version of heels. Everyone's got no, their different versions. There's metaphorical heels, yes. but I actually wear the physical both heels. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. I agree. <laughs> and so first and foremost, I just want to say for those of you who don't know who Maha is, she's literally probably one of the most successful agents, partners, founders of a million important things like Time's Up, which we're going to talk about, but also at the very top of probably the most successful talent agency, which has now so many different things, not just talent, CAA, and also represents the biggest talent across the board in the industry on all sides, not just actors, but directors, writers, all of it. And so I want to talk about first, I do want to go back a drop to the beginning, because I, I always like to really understand who were you as like a little girl? Like, were you this like fearless, ambitious, like nutty little girl who was like, I'm going to do a million things and no one mess with me? Or were you like timid and sweet and shy? Like all the things. So funny. And where did you grow up? Because I do want to know that too. Okay. Well, it's a funny thing, the beginning, because I like to think I'm still at the beginning and that there's so many, <laughs> me too. much more to, to go and many more chapters and acts. But the real, real beginning would be in Encino, California, where okay. I grew up. Yep. And I grew up, um, and I think this defined my relationship with women all around. I grew up with two sisters who I'm very close with, and I'm mm -hmm. right in the middle of the two of them. And we have a little brother, and that also defined my relationship with men because... Yep. We would tell our little brother what to do. <laughs> <All the time. laughs> as, as you should. He had no chance with three sisters, by the way. He really didn't. But he's got a chance at being a great husband because he was nurtured by, by yep. three very strong women and, and his mom, too. So four, four strong women. So I grew up um, in Encino. And you would think maybe that put me in proximity to show business. But I grew up with an immigrant family, a Muslim family. My parents came from Libya. And Libya is pretty foreign to the rest of the world. Right. <laughs> it's a really tiny yeah. population in Libya itself. So even amongst the Arab world, Libya is really small and really specific. And my parents, um, who were extremely proud of their culture and heritage and came here uh, seeking freedom and education for their, their kids, left so much behind. And that really defined our upbringing because that meant we were driven by guilt. Sure. No, of course. <laughs> be grateful. Be grateful. Yes. Be grateful. Be grateful. Don't complain. Yes. 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 And, and they were wonderful parents and they instilled really amazing values um, within us and all the, uh, the values that they instilled in each of each of their kids is what guides us and opens pretty much any path we've, we've set ourselves on. And that's been uh, really key to, to my upbringing and to, to, I think, the part of my life where I began to embark on a career. But as immigrants, they didn't have the shorthand, they didn't have the assimilation, the acceptance, or the knowledge to really share 
to open the doors in the world of entertainment. So yep. most immigrant families, this is pretty universal, want their kids to be highly educated yep. in fields that are extremely reliable and have reliable paths mm-hmm. um, to to ascend. Yep. And the film business doesn't have doesn't offer that. No. TV doesn't offer that. The media world doesn't offer that. I don't think the fashion world and most of these worlds are more amorphous. And to my parents, that was a very scary that you could study and be really worthy and valuable and somehow be overlooked because you weren't favored or you didn't look like the people who were, you know, doing the the thing that they, that you want to do. Um, so I wasn't encouraged in this business at all growing up, but I was drawn to it always. I was drawn to creative writing. I was drawn to just movies, pop culture, music, dance, all of those, those arts were guiding me. And it was a very subtle kind of more in the background of my upbringing. As I was going to say, but I could did you want to do those things or you wanted to be a part of those things? Like you were attracted to them or you wanted to actually do them? I wanted to write as right. a kid, okay. but I'm way too social to be a real writer. Right. So I can't, I can write, but I don't write because I want to talk more than I want to write. Sure. Of course. And, um, but that's what I started off with, you know, short stories and creative, creative writing as a, as a kid. I think that was probably my big clue. But like I said, I didn't know how to connect that sure. to anything. Um, so that, that's kind of how it began in my personality. I'm still trying to analyze. I think I was all the things that you said. I think at times I was shy and timid growing up. Like I said, in an immigrant background, you weren't always sure about when and how to, to assert yourself, but I had a father who was very strong and very clear about our value and encouraged us to take up space and that we were worthy. And my father was very, very clear about that. And that was defining. That's amazing though, because I had, I had a father like that, but I, I, I've had a lot of women on this podcast that were very, um, to your point, sort of like stay in a safe path, stay in a safe path, stay in that secure path, you know, no risk taking. So that's, that's pretty incredible that you had a dad like that and have parents like that because, I think for us, when, when our parents are cheerleaders, I think that makes everything easier. You're not like going against the sort of like dream when you're, especially I think as an immigrant family, you're sort of like, oh God, it, it's a little more scary, I think, right? To take that risk. Cause what if it doesn't work? And then they were right. Well, well, <laughs> they didn't, they, to be, to be honest, what they supported was they supported the idea of big ambitions and a big career, huh. but the film, film world was not something they supported right, at all. Right. So in, an, in essence, I remember having a very specific conversation with my father after college when mm-hmm. he thought I was going to law school and <sighs> I thought I might go to law school, but instead I did an internship at Cannes that opened my eyes up to <sighs> all the things I loved in one place, a red carpet, fashion, social change, movies. It was, it, I was a goner. And what I said to him is that we share the same goals. Mm -hmm. We share the same destination. I want to change the world. You want me to change the world, Mm -hmm. but we don't share the same vision for the path. Interesting. And I said, I've got your back. I know what you want from me as your kid, but I have to do it in this very different way. And it's not, and he didn't understand because from there I went off to be an assistant to directors and producers. And I was buying dog food and yeah. cat food and house sitting. And he, he couldn't see the correlation between my big ambitions and what my immediate, you know, time 
look like. So he kept stuffing applications of the London School of Economics under my door. <laughs> and we just didn't speak very much during this period. And, uh, well, by the way, and that's, and, that's, uh, and that's a really big risk and a chance that I think you took. And I think a lot of very successful women had to take. They had to kind of go against what was expected and what was okay. And also very often what was supported you know, by their parents. Cause I think a lot of parents, when you choose the path that they want, they're happy to support you financially and otherwise along the way. And then sometimes they're like, okay, you do you, but like see on the other side kind of thing. Right. So, okay. So Ken, let's talk about that because I remember my first time going to Ken film festival and obviously like as a stylist and, and working, but I remember, and I always compare it to that, like Sarah Jessica moment when she gets to Paris for the first time, it's like that you, it's like you, you gasp for air because it doesn't seem real. Right. It's like what you see in, in, in movies, it's not real. It's like, it's like the, the, the Grace Kelly, the Sophia Loren, the, like the, 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 the steps and the gowns and the, like, it's the dream, right? I mean, it's really like the dream of all of it. So there you are, you're interning at the Cannes Film Festival and it's also mayhem, by the way, like, I mean, our dear friend, Jason Weinberg long ago was like, okay. <laughs> there with him and he was like he was just constantly white he was just like you know but I think he's a can fixture he is a can (laughs) fixture so basically your eyes light up all of it comes together before your eyes you're an intern and you know I had that moment when I went I crashed my first fashion show and I was like 22 years old and I said yep I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life I don't care if I get paid I don't care if I starve doing it but this is what I'm doing right and I imagine that you had that moment of like somehow this is my calling and I'm gonna just go for it so what how does that happen in real life because it was much harder then even than it is now to do this so everything you just said, I I relate to you crashing your fashion show is me going to my first can. And I kept doing, I kept interning in the film world as a, like I, in the background, Mm -hmm. I did not treat it as the front door. I treated Mm -hmm. it as the side thing. And I probably would go to law school. But once I went to can and truly all of my interests were encompassed right in that moment in that space. And I was taking a class at the time at UCLA, literally called art and social change. Like I really <laughs> did feel like my calling was social justice oriented. Mm-hmm. But instead of politics, I always felt compelled that art and storytelling was way more effective. Mm-hmm. And I saw that in Cannes. I saw people from corners of the most remote parts of the world yeah. coming to Cannes with their movie. And I love that. I loved all the different languages. I loved seeing people from different cultures, backgrounds, demographics. And I love fashion and I love the red carpet and I love the glamour of the industry. And it was all encompassed right, right then. So I had this epiphany that it's not a side thing. This is actually going to be my thing. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what people in Cannes actually do, (laughs) but (laughs) Somebody needs to make this my job to be here again and again and again. And it was many, many years before I returned because there is no real job that takes you to can uh, as an assistant, really, um, unless you work, you work toward it. And I, at that point, did not see the agent path 
in front of me. Mm -hmm. I thought I would go into something more creative, work my way up. Can what it went from being in the middle of can to being as far away from can as possible for 10 years. Right. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Wow. 10 years. So then take me to CAA. So my twenties were really tough because coming out of college and then pivoting from law school and going into film. And like I just referred to jokingly running around buying dog food and being an assistant and schlepping around. Yep. I was not immediately seen and lifted up in this industry by nope. somebody who cared and, nope. you know, gave me the access. Me neither. I took a lot of, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> me neither. You weren't, you weren't lucky? Okay, no. Well, me neither. No. Me neither. Got my ass cut. Um, <laughs> same. And I, I got, I took a lot of different jobs looking for an angle and really starving for a mentor more than anything else. I was hopefully going to find someone who understood I was a bit different. I was a bit unconventional and would take a chance on me. But in fact, my, I guess my being unconventional made me stick out more in some ways, being a woman that was extremely outspoken mm-hmm. and, and clear about, you know, my, my values, my interests. I, I, you know, you were taught all through college and school, like raise your hand, speak up. Mm-hmm. Once I got into the beginning of the film business late nineties, early two thousands, that wasn't really so celebrated. It was, um, I kind of stuck out in all the, in all the wrong ways. And so you're probably probably perceived as difficult. I was perceived as difficult. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think there's enough difficult women in the business now that I know all of the difficult, amazing women who I, who are my friends. But at the time I was difficult and alone. Yep. Every Genesis is a reminder to try something new, to keep growing, keep hustling, keep beginning. At Genesis, they harness that mindset into their performance SUV, the GV70. Discover intuitive technology inside the GV70 with a 14.5-inch infotainment system. The Genesis GV70 is for those who are making their mark on the world and want to enjoy luxurious amenities while they do it. I used to dread driving around LA because of the traffic, the stop and go, the blaring sun, always getting directly into my eyes, no matter what time of day it is. But thanks to Genesis, driving around here isn't too bad, especially when I'm driving in style. Turn heads with the stunning design of the GV70 inside and out. The GV70 features the silhouette of a coupe and the capability of an SUV. So go on and enjoy an exhilarating drive in the GV70. Your Genesis GV70 is waiting for you. Learn more at genesis.com. Genesis, keep beginning. I do recall one person I worked for saying to me, who I still know is a great manager, he said, you're like a plug that needs an outlet. And he did at least recognize that, that you are, you're a plug that doesn't have its outlet. Yep. You definitely have the talent. You, you are the plug. Mm-hmm. You've got to find your outlet. And so that image really stuck in my mind so clearly, so vividly that I was looking for my outlet. And what it really meant is I was looking for someone to open the door. It wasn't so specific as to, I thought I wanted to produce. I thought maybe I wanted to be a studio executive, but ultimately it came in the form of the agency world. Mm-hmm where this very tiny agency was hiring and there was an agent there who had been at William Morris, a very, very senior agent starting a motion picture group. I sat with him, not 
to be interviewed as an agent, but to be, to just get some guidance from him, a mutual friend set us up. And because he was hiring agents, he thought I was interviewing to be an agent and he just mixed the whole day up (laughs) and interviewed me as if I was an agent. And then at the end he said, this is a little awkward, but you, do do you have clients? Like you seem like a great agent, but, and I, I quickly understood that there was a big misunderstanding, but used it to my advantage. And I said, I have no clients, but I could do this job. And I just started pitching myself. And it was a small enough agency. You couldn't do that at a big agency sure. because there's a mailroom and there's a training sure. program, but this tiny place, this was my first real mentor. He's looked at me and said, I, I, you don't have clients. You have no experience, but <laughs> you have, you have the gift of gab and that's what we do. And you, <laughs> you're an advocate and that's what we do. And so he took me under his wing. He hired me as a coordinator. And two years after being there, I'll do the long story short version. I was hired at CAA. Wow. And that sounds easy, but it wasn't. No, All the no, stuff of that course. happened in between. Of course, of course. But, but this is a podcast, not a miniseries. So, no, yeah. listen, I mean, that's the thing. You're really like a five-part podcast. I, it Like fitting you into one is really challenging. Um, I'm going to try to fit myself into one and make your life easier. <laughs> no, today. it's all good. I could talk to you for a week straight. But the thing is, you know, your road was hard. It was not easy. Um, you've earned it tenfold um, or a thousandfold. You know, I used to say people used to be like, well, Rachel, did you use your voice? And I was like, yeah, but if I used my voice in the early 2000s, then I was called difficult, you know? And it was really just simply funny because I'm always very polite. I'm always very kind, but it was simply just like kind of protecting like people or clients or things like that. But somehow it was like, if, if, if like Roger said it to someone, no, no one say a word. Right. And so I think you've really helped to make women's voices louder. And I think that you brought something up that I find so interesting because I think traditional parents of, of past and still now, but we're trying to change that. Right. But they really see these paths as like, take this safe, secure path. Right. But what's so interesting, you said something like, Oh, it's going to do law and change the world. But you felt like storytelling and film um, and writing and all of that really does change the world. And what I've seen over the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years is how much film does change the world and does change the, the, the narrative of the world, right? Like look at this year's Oscars. I mean, absolutely. That's crazy what's happening. And it's incredible. It's obviously what should have always been, And, you know, everything takes 10,000 times longer than it should. But I think you are a huge, um, you know, proponent of all of this change. And I think um, I do want to talk about Time's Up. Obviously, like, I don't think we met through Baby to Baby. We met through probably clients over the years, but long before that. But um, Mm -hmm. but you 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 are very active as a board member for baby to baby. And I love that, but I do want to talk about time's up because I think it's important to really amplify why you started that and what that's doing. Cause I, I think you were so ahead there and it's obviously working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think what was so amazing and continues to carry on from time's up is in that moment, all of us difficult women got together and I don't even know if we realized we were organizing, but because we're all problem solving types, Mm -hmm. many of us got in a room and just thought we would take this crisis as an opportunity to, to, to see 
what we could do to affect change and, you know, and, and raise the standards for, for women everywhere, not mm-hmm. just in our industry, but right. to use our industry as, as the, as the propeller. And, um, and that was really the thinking. And so many incredible women came into a room and we immediately realized that if it wasn't a baby shower, we weren't always <laughs> in the room together. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Ourselves. That's yeah. true. It was really illuminating to me to be with really strong, powerful, intellectual, artistic, incredible women of all walks of the business. We've never been alone together to 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 ideate. And it was a it was a different feeling. You weren't thinking twice before you opened your mouth. You know, you were, you were not adapting yourself into the conversation. And I think what we all realized was, um, the power of, uh, of our unity that we, many of the women, especially actresses have been particularly siloed and maybe it's been ingrained for them to even be competitive. And it was beautiful to see them all come together around different initiatives. It was beautiful to see um, them connect with domestic workers and farmers yeah. and women of other, uh, many other industries of completely different socioeconomics. And to say, like, I, I see you. And actually we, we have really similar days in, in certain ways. Yeah. Um, when it comes from, to the lens of, of the male gaze on, on, on all of us. So I think a lot got done, um, just in that one moment, because it was it, the moment presented itself yeah. and everybody was ready to to, to meet it, it certainly had so many challenges because we weren't set up. To yeah, be, of course, of course. Know, we, it was an op- it was a crisis that we all um, sort of res- responded to, and and none of it was done perfectly. But it was it was incredible. But I think it's continuing. It's continuing in in a different in a in a different way now. To if to be to be candid, it it hit enough challenges that a lot of organizations yes. challenge, which is it got held up to the own standards that it set and in some ways wasn't able to meet of those, course the, the standards but a lot is living on and and continues on and so many of the women that i've met through times up continuing to do incredible work and many of us now are focused on abortion mm-hmm. and um and working with an underground not so underground network of yep. women across industries who are extremely focused on getting our rights back in that area and to, and, and helping, um, medical providers in different States get the aid that they need. So that's become the focus. So let me ask you a question. How is it? And I'm sure you get asked this on the daily, but like, how do you manage to do what you do? Because you do happen to be an agent to the biggest talents in the world across the board, you know, Tom Cruise, cause that's casual. I mean, and Hathaway, uh, Reese Witherspoon, you know, her, um, yeah. who, who also like hello sunshine and like every, so you not only represent talent, but also talent that goes on to also do the biggest things that you obviously advocate support and probably initiate or help ideate with all of these things. Um, but I also think that, but you also on the board of baby to baby, you're also working with like a million directors and writers. You're also a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Right. By the way, the biggest job. (laughs) And, and so, I mean, my question to you is, do you, and I've never seen you, by the way, not smiling, you know, and I know that 
you definitely, of course, you're human. You have overwhelmed moments. Like I know for me, I have those like breakdown crying in a, my sure. bedroom moments, but like, I guess <laughs> like my, my question for you is what are you most proud of? What are you challenged with the most? Obviously being a working mother, I'm going to answer that part, but I bet you have another answer. But I think, um, you know, I, I'm just curious because I think you just, you really are doing 1 billion things and really well and like crushing all of them. So my question is, how do you do that and stay very, you come off very Zen to me. (laughs) So that is a big compliment. I think that is because I, I kind of try to hold it all together with a true North philosophy Mm -hmm. that is pretty flexible and forgiving. Okay. Meaning that I want to be the best mom in the world. I want to be the best advocate agent Mm -hmm. for my clients. I want to be the best leader at my company and I want to be a mentor and help others, you know, Mm -hmm. the way I, the way I was looking for, for, I want to be a philanthropist. I want to, um, you know, be able to contribute to the greater world. Mm -hmm. And I think that I see all of the things I just said as integrated as opposed to I'm a mom, I'm an agent. I'm a, I see myself as a whole human that wants to do all these things. And throughout my day, different aspects of my interests are going to take up more of my time in any one given moment. And then I find, you know, the balance when one of them is, is sort of more all consuming than the other. So I don't really expect every day to go perfectly well and balanced. I'm totally okay being out of balance and being completely consumed by work and not seeing my kids for yeah. a couple days because yeah. that's just what it is. Yeah. And then I'm really happy to soak them up for the time that I that that I can. And I think it's all about the quality sure. of what you do as it's opposed true. to being scattered and showing up to everything and being able to check a box that you're, you know, roll call you were here. <laughs> it's true. And you know, they remind me I'm on my phone a lot. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. So I'd rather be with them a little less, but really focused and have a more quality conversation with them than trying, you know, to yeah. do all the things. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to hear them screaming while I'm on a conference of course, call. Of course. Because <laughs> I am trying to do it all at once. Of it's course. Not that, that kind of, but I just accept that life's going to be out of balance and that different things are going to happen in different phases and what my client, my clients all need different things at different Yeah, moments. of course. So we might not to compare them to kids or not kids, but everybody, everything requires something different from me. And I just feel really at peace with, it's not going to all be perfect, Yep. but no one can do it better than, than me for each of the, sure. the, the, um, the needs that are required of me. So interesting. Cause I always say like, you just kind of want to be the best at what it is that you're doing. Right. So like when you're with your kids, you want to be the best mom in that moment. Right. Or in those moments. And when you're with your clients, it's like, you have to do that the best. Right. And I think it's sort of like, if you just keep that, it's sort of like what I'm doing right now, I need to do the best at. Right. Like, and I think that's what we tell our kids, right. Try your best, do your best. Right. But there's still so much left to do. You're not ever done. Right. No. And my (laughs) appetite is pretty insatiable for action, for fun, for, you know, you know, for just getting things done. So 
am a little bit uh, addicted to to mm-hmm. doing too much. And mm-hmm. it's like they say, you give it to a busy person, it'll get done faster. It's I'll true. I'll somehow fit it into my day. Of course. And what do you have? And I don't know if you can actually answer this, but maybe. Um, do you have a favorite part? Do you have something that you're doing now or that you're excited to start or something that's like, this is abs- besides being mom, I'm going to take that out. <laughs> I think there's, I mean, this job is so fulfilling in the sense that the way I see it and the way I've approached it is really from a place of being an, an advocate mm-hmm. and opening doors and connecting people who wouldn't have met otherwise yeah. and matching people to opportunities. That is extremely fulfilling. And I think coming out of the last few years, opening more doors for women in our business is just the most exciting yeah. and, you know, gratifying aspect of, of what we do. I, I have many really wonderful male clients and I mm-hmm. consider them great allies and feminists too. Those are the kinds of yep. men I'm drawn to working with. Yep. Tom included. Yeah. And so um, sweet. he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. And I, but seeing women have more real estate, have yeah. more agency, mm-hmm. have more equity. Mm-hmm. And then also watching those women open doors for other women. That is just to me, the pinnacle. And I want to talk about that for one second, because the mentor, you were talking about mentoring and I had a feeling you were going to say that because like you, I did not have any mentors. I had my parents, you know, but different. It's the, that's different. Um, I didn't have a woman. Um, really, I had a few guys later, like a, a bet later that were, that were real champions and, and, and real mentors. Um, but I would have died for that in that moment, you know, but I had like Tommy Hilfiger was probably my first mentor. Mark Jacobs, um, kind of taught me sort of how to deal with different things that were thrown at me. Um, and I think, I think that's why being an advocate for women is so important. I think that watching you be such an advocate for women is incredible because I think you're sort of like, I need to now do what I didn't have because I know how valuable that is. Right. And I think, I don't know. So are you sort of formalizing, like, do you mentor personally or are you trying to sort of create mentors for other women or probably all of the above. <laughs> I think all of the above. I definitely have specific women at this company I'm mentoring. I feel like you mentor I, everyone you say hello to though. <laughs> like I literally feel like by people, know, by being in your universe, the people just go, Maha, what about this? How, well, what do you think of this? And I just feel like you're just going to share your like love and knowledge for everything you've done with all the people that you care about. Right. Um, I, I, I think see this you is a doing function that. of being a middle sister, which is I had a sister to, to an older one to look up to. And I had a younger one that mm-hmm. I had, you know, I want to be looked up to. Although sure. we all, she's my youngest sister is like our oldest. Sister, of course, so always, we all, always. We all work for her. Always. But I, there are specific people I mentor, but what I relish in, in my role of getting to be a leader at this company is being able to model it. And so it's scaled up. Because what you don't right. want, what I, what, what was hard, as you know, is the luck aspect of hoping you find your mentor. But if you try to put systems in place or invite a culture yeah. of mentorship, then everyone's mm-hmm. kind of is, is doing it and sure. it's transformative. Yeah. And, and it was interesting to me because there were so many women at CA who were senior to me when I got here 19 years ago, they were all quite amazing and very powerful in their, in their own rights. Um, 
And so, and they were really, really great to me. I, I think that it's an interesting thing I have to be aware of now that I'm also older is there's just, there's generational gaps between all of us. So like what they're going through, what I was going through is different than what women, you know, who came before me had, had to go through and had to face. And I'm reminded that it was, you know, it was even more difficult. And I just keep going back to younger me. Like I, I saw things in a really specific way and being told all the time, this is the way you should do it. This is how you, you know, you'll get ahead and be careful of this and be careful of that. That's all based on someone else's experience. I'm really careful not to limit people with my own experience. I share it. There's something you can draw from it, but I'm very aware that, that every generation's got their own set of challenges. Um, but mentorship is, is, is crucial. And I still want to be mentored. I still want, you know, women might, yeah. Older than me tell, yeah. me tell me what to do. <laughs> I totally. It. I want to touch on something because I think in the traditional sense, I think people were like, some people don't even know what an agent is. Most people outside of the industry don't actually know. Like my parents will still say to me, what's an agent versus a manager? And what is publicist versus like, it's, it's, it's not something that's a given. Right. But I think, you know, what I always like to tell young people coming up in any industry is that the, the title is the title. It's what you actually make of that. What do you turn that into? It may have a role defined, a job description, right? But clearly you've taken the job description of an agent and taken it to such a completely different stratosphere, which I think has really changed the conversation. There's a handful of incredible women agents and and managers and publicists like, you know, Meredith O'Sullivan or like, you know, that have really changed the game for what these roles were of past. And I think for you, you've really turned the term being an agent into something so completely diversified and totally different. And so I think my last sort of question, because I could ask you 10,000 would probably be like, what would you share with young people that are listening and being like, oh my God, I want to be her or like, oh my God, my dream, her job is my dream job. How do I ever become that? Because like, I'm telling you everyone, I mean, you have made it if Maha is your agent. (laughs) You (laughs) have made it. If she is representing you, I can tell you, you're good. You're going to have to work your ass up, but you're good. (laughs) You have fully made it at that point. What would you say to these young people or even not young people, people looking to do a career pivot or anything and being like, I want to do what she does. I want to be an agent. I want to do this. I want to do that. What would you say to that? Cause it's terrifying. It is a terrifying place to walk into. <laughs> it is. And I want to demystify it right. because it was right. It was it. Imagine yourself at home mm-hmm. being comfortable and being yourself mm-hmm. and being your full self. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it starts with your own comfort in your own skin and the way you walk in the world Mm -hmm. and what you, what you bring into a room, Mm -hmm. because being an an, an agent is really a people. It is 1000%. And and your presence is felt. Yes, it is. And it's how you connect to people and what your ability to empathize, Mm -hmm. understand the actual human that you're, you're, you're dealing with and then how to read the entire room Mm -hmm. and then to figure out locate yourself in the situation and locate the person in the situation and, and be able to read, you know, a, a, a thousand words a minute of psych in psychology speak of what <laughs> needs to get done to, to define success. 
it's a really hard thing to teach. It It really does stem from from personality Mm -hmm. because it's not just hard work. And I am alarmed. I'm going to sound like an old lady because I'm not sure, you know, that hard work is, has the same value that it used to. People are all looking for, for shortcuts or ways to get out of it. You know, I've learned so much about quiet quitting, which I don't. Oh my God. I don't. Like I I said, this is, this needs to be a five part podcast. Yes, exactly. So we, we can complain about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got a lot. We got a lot to talk about that. But here they are. So I'm not going to complain about the generation. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge you're here. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that you're here, you're valuable, you're doing it differently. You still have to, you really do have to work hard Uh and you've got to love it. Mm -hmm. Do you love movies? Do you love books? Do you love storytelling? Do you love people? Do you love people? And, and and go find your person. Mm-hmm. It is much easier to find a mentor now than mm-hmm. it than it was, you know, when you and I were coming up, yep. Rachel. People are much more generous and they're looking for you because yep. they're really looking for hardworking, intelligent, sparkly humans true. to put on the path. They really are. I yep. mean, I know I am. I mean, yep. I know I know yeah. you are. Very hard to find. Very hard. Harder to find. <laughs> Harder to find. So we're looking for you. Mm-hmm. Show up. <laughs> that would be my <laughs> yeah my by the by the way you couldn't be more right and i i have to say it's like that thing we hear with our kids now that never had a name or a title that it's not your iq it's your eq and i think in these professions your eq is so freaking valued and valuable and it's funny i I always say like the thing I don't worry about my kids, I really don't worry about them walking into a room and understanding the room. And I think that's sort of the thing I think as anything in, in, in business, any business, I think an ability to read the room and, you know, I think you were a sociology major as well, right? I was a psych social major. One would argue it may have served us in some ways, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I would say that The biggest takeaway I think there is really for people to learn that how to, how to talk to people and how to read people and how to read a room. And I think being an agent is probably, I actually would argue that any role in that room of stylist, hairstylist, manager, publicist, agent, you have to read that room and know your role in that room right? And know what you are there to bring to the table. And the agent really is the ringleader, I have to say. And you are such a ringleader, by the way. You're such a ringleader. It's funny. I'm <laughs> such a bearer of bad news most of the time. But I think that's why I'm smiling so hard. So I want you to feel but how you're, bad my bad news is. I know, but you're also, a re- but you also bear a lot of good news. So there you go. Well, it's like an being optimist. an entrepreneur. It's like being yes. an entrepreneur. Highs are high, lows are low, you know, but I love you madly. I respect you, um, just immeasurably. And I don't, I don't say that about a lot of people, but I, I do, you are just the real deal. And I think what you've accomplished is next level. And I, and I love how much you bring it to all the things that you do in all aspects of not just your work, but your life on all sides, your personal life, your professional life, your philanthropic life, and clearly to your clients because they adore you. So, um, and you also throw a really great party, let's just say. Thank you, Rachel. I, I, I mean, now I want to start my own podcast because I have so many questions, follow-ups for you. Well, we can do a part two, Ma. We can do okay, a part good. two. Or Sounds we can just good. go have a lunch <laughs> or a dinner that. or a cocktail. <laughs> All of okay. the above. All of the above. 
Have a beautiful day. Go crush life today. I know you will. And then like go home and have dinner with your family. Same to you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh Rachel. my God. Really appreciate and admire you so much of as course. well. And all that you've accomplished. Well, right back. And I can't wait to talk about more. Okay, everyone, it's that time in the show when I answer two listener questions. So let's see what we have today. If you could go back to graduate school, what would you want to study given your career today? I can answer that so easily. Business, corporate finance and business. I know you will probably be shocked to hear that from me, but I mean that really through to my core. I really wish that I got my MBA in corporate finance and business. And I recommend to anyone who will listen, study business because it will apply to literally anything you do or will want to do in your life on some level. Okay. Who made your pink sequin and feather dress for your curator event the other day? That was a favorite dress. I thought it was a little much and my team made me wear it because it was in Malibu. So I was going for a little more earthy, but I went the other way. went for Malibu Barbie, but I have to say it was so fun to wear. And um, it's a designer called Taller Marmo, T-A-L-L-E-R, and then M-A-R-M-O. I find myself wearing them a lot because their clothes are so fun and so me, and I'm so comfortable in them. Okay. Don't forget to submit your questions for next week's episode. All you have to do is DM us your questions to at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram, and I might just answer your question. Welcome back to Currently with Curator, where I share my latest style obsessions, all of which you can access through my shopping community, Curator. I'm all about starting your year off with little luxuries to elevate your everyday, so I stocked our curated e-storefront with trendy accessories, chic home furnishings, and more that will make you feel so refreshed. As always, everything has my stamp of approval and is available for a very exclusive price. I know you're going to love shopping with us, so I'm also giving Climbing in Heels listeners an additional 25% off your first purchase with code CLIMB. 25. C-L-I-M-B 25. So what are you waiting for? Head to curator.com. That's C-U-R-A-T-E-U-R.com and get started today. Thank you so much to Maha for coming on the podcast today and opening up about how she manages her insanely busy life and schedule. Every day she takes on another challenge and then actually still wants more. I have to say, I don't use this term very loosely. And I would say that Maha really just blows my mind. I have seen her in action. I know many of the people that she represents in different areas of the industry. She is beautiful. She has style. I just want to add that because it's not a given. And she is just the absolute definition of someone climbing in heels because she works so hard. Her journey, like many I've had on the podcast, has not been easy. None of this was luck. It was sheer ambition, drive, determination, clear intelligence. But also, as she said, this sort of gift of really knowing how to work a room and knowing your place in that room. And that is something that can't be learned. But I think it's incredible to find a mentor that does and watch and learn. 
That's my takeaway for today. So if you want more Climbing in Heels content, follow me at Rachel Zoe and at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes, and all things Curator. And I will see you next week.